Hello and thank you for downloading The Magpod, a podcast from the Magpie Anthology. I'm Tom Stroud and in this episode we're joined by Rouse Limited for the voice of the experts where we're talking money and financial planning with Ben Rouse and Ben Silk. And today we're talking about ethical investing. Ben Rouse, what is it? And I imagine it's something that clients are increasingly interested in. Well, it's an interesting question. One of the things that we've found over the last probably 20 years where we've been providing ethical investments as part of our range of portfolios is an increased awareness of where your money is going when you make investments. And people often want to know that perhaps it's uh, environmentally friendly or there's a good culture in terms of employment, no sort of child labour, that kind of thing. So there's a whole wide range as well as all the environmental aspects of of ethical investment as well. We started off with a, a number of of small individual funds that we could offer. And now we've, uh, over the last 10 years, uh, Ben, as head of the, the investment committee, has built five risk-rated portfolios, which in plain English means that, that some are more risky than others, but they have a wide, you know, all of the, the ingredients of those portfolios have been screened for some sort of ethical or environmental characteristic, which allows them to be in there. So having come as I say, about 20 years ago when I first started uh, researching these things for clients, we've really come full circle now to be able to offer the same sort of range of investments and asset classes that we can in normal, what we call uh, agnostic investments. So without getting into any morality aspects of capitalism and how people make money, is it going to cost you if you decide that you want to put your money in places that are ethical? Does that mean that you are losing out and going to make less money, Ben Silk? Um, there will be times, undoubtedly, when an ethical portfolio will underperform something that's picked from an agnostic investment range but over the longer term what we're seeing is that actually having an ethical slant on your investments could prove beneficial an example that's been in the news recently is the dam breaks in south america part of the vale group that wouldn't form part of our ethical investing that company is going to struggle now to get new investment and anybody that's invested in that has the stigma attached to them with being involved in some small part with that catastrophe. So if I come to you to talk to you about investing, how does ethical investment fall down? You talked about five different groups. What type of ethical investments can you offer? Yeah, it's really difficult to build a truly diverse portfolio from a very, very green type of um, investment. And I'll, I'll talk a bit later on about dark green and and light green because most of the investment is in a very small sector and what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that people's money is invested in a way that they comfortable with the potential risks. So what we've done is we found three different definitions of ethical investing that enable us to incorporate lots of different investment ideas and different investment types so that we can offer this risk rated ethical investment opportunity. So how do you go about building one of these portfolios? Well, the first thing that we'll do is we'll start from an ethical point of view. So we'll try to get as much dark green investment in there. Now that's the stuff that really is ethical. That's the stuff that's combating climate change. That's the stuff that's not doing any further harm to the environment. But what we tend to find is that leads us to a very small number of shares, equities, investment, which certainly isn't suitable for somebody who is of a cautious nature. So in terms of the dark green stuff, that's your positive screening. That's the stuff that is doing the good. That's the clean energy. That's the removing plastic out of the corporate structure and industry. From there, we might then move down into the negative screening. This tends to be what people perceive to be ethical investing from 10 years ago. So with a negative screen, you won't have any pornography, you won't have any alcohol, you won't have any armaments, there'll be no gambling, there'll be no animal testing for cosmetic purposes. So outside of these, you can invest in pretty much 
anything. So that enables us to bring in some larger companies that are dividend payers, some of the top companies in the UK, the FTSE 100 companies. And then the next level down from that is what's known as environmental and social governance. Now, the definition for this varies from investment manager to investment manager. But effectively, we like to think of it as a way of ensuring that both the environmental and social impact of a company is considered by the investment manager. So this then opens up things like social housing, which is a pretty good income play. So buying flats for social housing and receiving the income from the local government. So using a wide range of ethical definitions, we're able to build a portfolio that most people are fairly comfortable with. So Ben Rouse, we've been talking about this from the point of view of people who have actively decided to invest ethically. What about investors who haven't thought about this and maybe might not necessarily be happy about where some of their money is going if they knew? Yes, uh, it's, it's quite interesting. I think the levels of ethical investment have increased within our business. So you know, we now think actually almost 25% of money coming in is ethical investment of some sort or another. And I think principally uh, that's because of two things. One is just a general awareness of the fact that you, know, you should start taking responsibility for the things you do, whether it's what you buy in a supermarket or where, where you invest your money. But the second one also is that we have altered our sort of questioning techniques when we're advising clients to actually help them to learn a bit more about the types of investments that are available. So we will actually ask more in-depth questions on what drives them in terms of investments. And I think that's important because actually if you're helping somebody to uh, cross over into investment from perhaps where, where they haven't been investing before, they've had cash investments and things, I think it's really important uh, to give them as much encouragement to understand what they're investing in because that makes for a, a happier investor. And uh, you know when, they, when things do go wrong or up and down, they're much more calm about it because they understand uh, they've had a better educational process from us as advisors. And I think that's our duty to do that. So within our analysis of their situation, we do spend a bit more time now talking about what it is that drives them personally. Are there any aspects that, you know, might, there might have been an illness in the family. So quite often you find people are vehemently anti-tobacco companies, but they have no idea actually that most of their money, certainly in turbulent times, gets moved across to things like tobacco companies because they're very safe, in inverted commas, sources of income. I think our questioning techniques within learning about clients has, has caused uh, more of an interest in our own client bank. But I think generally just by seeing what's out there when we go up to the city to meet with new fund managers and that, that kind of thing, we're noticing that more companies are trying to come together with an offering in this area. I, I think there is definitely a growing trend for ethical investing and companies are picking up on this and they are making themselves cleaner and greener in the hope that they can encourage further investment into their companies. I think it's easy to look at the green environmental measures often as being things that businesses are coerced into doing with taxes or levies or legislation. Actually, you're saying that they can also be areas of positive growth. Yeah, that's exactly right. Probably an example that many people may be aware of is the cycle to work scheme. It's a government plan to try to encourage people to travel to work by bike, um, greener, reduce the CO2 emissions from cars, etc. What that leads to is it leads to people being able to afford bikes and that leads to opportunities in bike producers. So Shimano, for instance, they, they make components on bikes. Um, it's a phenomenal growth story. And that's something that has been driven by an actual act by government in terms of improving the climate of the UK. 
Okay, so you can invest sustainably and make money. In our next podcast, we'll be looking at employee benefits. In the meantime, if you want to find out more, Rouse Limited is a team of independent financial planners based on the Isle of Wight. You can find out more about them and more episodes of the MagPod at magpieonline.co.uk.